This episode of the No Film School podcast is brought to you by Vimeo Live. Hey everybody, this is John Fusco, and you're listening to the No Film School podcast. Have you ever been at one of those parties where people are talking about these movies and then Hitchcock comes up, but you've never seen any Hitchcock, so then you get all sweaty and start avoiding people's gaze, and it feels like everyone is watching you and the world is slowly closing in on you and you get so claustrophobic and insane that you feel like you want to scream? Me neither. Funnily enough, the experience of watching Psycho for the first time feels exactly the same way. So now that I've prepared you on what you're in for, it's time to stop making excuses and just watch it. Right now. After you've listened to this podcast and before you go see Alexander Philippe's illuminating documentary, 7852. The doc defies the convention of looking back in retrospect at an entire filmmaker's career, and even goes more in-depth than simply covering one film. Instead, Philippe focuses on one scene, Psycho's infamous shower scene that had 78 camera setups, 52 cuts, and took seven days to shoot. In many ways, examining this one scene provides us with more than enough information on Hitchcock's career than would be necessary to keep up in one of these terrifying cinephile conversations. I sat down with Philippe to discuss Hitchcock's legacy, what Psycho has to say about his tendencies as a filmmaker, and plenty more interesting facts to place you firmly in the realm of Hitchcock expert. Hey everybody, I am here with Alexander, Alexander, is that? Alexander, and, yeah, yeah, yeah it, that's fine. How, how do I pronounce your it's last name? It's really Alexandre, but uh, okay. yeah, no, it's Alexander Philippe. Yeah, okay, yeah. Right. <laughs> the, the bastardized American version. Uh, and we're going to talk about his new film, 7852, and we're going to talk probably a lot about Psycho and a lot about Hitchcock, which I'm very excited about. Um, having actually, just like three weeks ago, I went on a Hitchcock binge, Um because I'm trying, I'm making my own short in November, and I was like trying to pick up on tropes and stuff that he would use throughout each. So I watched uh, Psycho, The Birds, um, Rear Window, Vertigo, and uh, North by Northwest, all nice. in like a week. <laughs> nice, nice, so, nice. I guess what my my first question is is why uh, why did you choose to make a documentary about Psycho? Well, I mean, it's really a documentary about the shower scene. Sure, you know, it's it's very very specific, and and um, you know, it's just really one of those extraordinary pieces of work that needed. A, uh, it really deserved, I think, a cinematic treatment. Mm-hmm. You know, and and it's um, it's really the most incredible two minutes in the history of movies. I mean, you can just study this, you know, uh, for the rest of your life, and then never get to the bottom of it. So it's um, it's. Pretty spectacular. Mm-hmm. Where so why choose to focus on the shower scene versus the entire film as a whole? Uh, you know, I, I really like this idea of sort of focusing on a fragment to get a better sense of the whole. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the shower scene, in a way, sort of contains all of Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. Um, it, um, you know, you can really look at all of his sort of fears, obsessions, you know, uh, preoccupations as an mm-hmm. artist. You know, by looking at the shower scene. So, so by really looking at that scene, I think it's a way to look at Psycho, and it, and it, you know, then it's a way to look at Hitchcock and look at his craft, and and then to also have larger discussions about cinema. Mm-hmm. You know? So, what are some of those uh, specific sort of uh, neuroses of Hitchcock that we can see in that scene? Well, I mean, I think you really see. For me, you see in this scene the sort of Hitchcock's moral universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in in a nutshell, you know, this idea that. You know, horrible things can happen to good people. Um, 
for no good reason at, at, at any moment, mm -hmm. you know, and, and you, you see that in the birds, you know, as well. I think, you know, you can look at Psycho and the birds as sort of companion pieces, you know, of, of sorts. Um, and it's a very upsetting idea. It's really something that clearly upset audiences at the time. Um, you know, nobody had ever sort of killed off a major movie star like this, you know, 40 minutes into the film. You mm -hmm. know, it just wasn't done. So um, so I think it's really revealing of, of I think, a, a profound fear in Hitchcock that, um, you know, there might not be a God. There might not be a rhyme or reason to all of this thing called life. Right, because even after she uh, makes – one of the, the things that I found fascinating the uh, that you pointed out is, you know, the scene before uh, where she is meeting with uh, Norman uh, for the first time in their uh, – I guess it's the little office next to uh, – her room and she's made the decision uh to take this money that she stole back at that point right uh and you'd think that i think audiences would think in at that period of time that this was going to be her sort of uh, uh her resolution and things would start to go well for her um but hitchcock <laughs> really changed convention uh in that way um what are some other ways that this scene changed film conventions for uh, for good, really. Well, I mean, I think, you know, obviously the editing, you know, is something that is still studied in, in film school. Right. Um, you know, and uh, it, it really created, I think, in, in many ways, a new kind of cinematic language. You know, um, you know, as Walter Murch says in the film, um, audiences at the time were not used to seeing you know, uh, this kind of editing. Um, so uh, as a result of that, they started sort of connecting the dots and, and, and thought they saw nudity and thought they saw violence that really wasn't on screen. It also, you know, broke a number of taboos. Um, you know, it was the first uh, time you would see a toilet flushing on screen and the first belly button and yeah. the first time you would see a major movie star you know, in her underwear post-coitus, um, you know, lying horizontally on a bed, you know, you know, things like that, I think, um, were completely revolutionary. And then it also changed the way that um, that we watch movies, you know, because of Psycho, we are now lining up, you know, to uh, to go see a movie, you know, before that, people were walking in and out of the theater. So it was the marketing of, of Psycho that kind of changed that. Can we talk about the marketing a little bit? Because you have uh, these snippets of, I, I guess it was his his marketing campaign, Hitchcock's mar marketing campaign, which is really something that we don't see directors do anymore these days, but kind of s taking the audience through a tour of the film itself as this persona. There's not really been any other director since Hitchcock to do that. What exactly would he do in the run-up to a film like Psycho or a, a film like North by Northwest? Well, I mean, you know, I, I, the, the thing that was unique about Psycho is that, you know, he wanted to make sure that nobody would be able to just walk in the middle of a film, which was the, the ritual at the time. People would walk in and out of movies, mm. you know. Uh, you, you'd walk in the middle, you'd watch the end, you'd stay, watch the movie, start again, and then when you get to the point where, you know, you entered, you, you would leave, you mm -hmm. know. Uh, well, just imagine doing this with the shower scene. You You walk in during the shower scene it's you know you're completely missing the whole point of of the film so um so the the marketing ploy was basically um i think to protect the integrity of the uh, you know the the shock of the sh of the shower scene and and it was basically that you know you, you will not be allowed to walk into the theater um once the movie begins um and so it it really sort of created a whole 
anticipation around the film. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, like I said earlier, I think people started lining up to, you know, to make sure they would catch the, the movie, and, you know, from the beginning. Mm. And uh, so it, it wasn't just a marketing ploy, but it, it really created a- anticipation at a, at a high pitch. There was already, like, suspense uh, built up in the audience before they even went into the theater, which is completely yeah something yeah just brilliant. Um, yeah. What are some other of uh, Hitchcock's sort of trademark uh, suspense tactics that that really built up to the shower scene that made it so effective? I, I think the shower scene and Psycho as as a whole um, is is uh, probably the most refined sort of form of you know, suspense that uh, Hitchcock had developed uh, up until that day. Um, you know, we talk a lot about the fact that it is um, it is a shock. It's unexpected, mm-hmm. um, which it is. But I, I think you can absolutely make the argument that um, by watching Psycho, you are in, in, es- in essence, there's, there are certain signifiers that make you feel like something bad is going to happen. Uh, it's it's foreshadowed in, in a very, very you know, powerful way. Um, and the way that she sort of behaves in the shower, she's, you know, she's almost, um, you know, she's taking her time. You know, you're watching something you're not really supposed to be watching, first mm-hmm. of all. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, everything is a little bit off, mm-hmm. you know. So you, you don't really know what's coming, but but Hitchcock puts you in a position where you're, in in essence, you know, you're expecting something to happen and you just don't really know what right. that is. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, you know, you have the shot where, you know, you see a lot of negative space, the door opens and the, the, the shadowy figure of mother sort of, you know, appears. Um, and that that is, you know, textbook definition of suspense because we are now seeing something that that the, the character, Marion Crane, does not see. We're given information that is not given to the protagonist. Mm. And um, that's that's you know what we call vicarious suspense. We feel for her, and um, that's that's Hitchcock at his best. Yeah, you know? let's talk. I mean, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, voyeurism because, I mean, this is I'd say this is Hitchcock at his most voyeuristic, and it was such a it's such a key. Uh, component to most many of his films it's something that he liked to play around with i think he once said like the audience should be aware that they're watching a film um and the film should be aware that the audience is watching it so how does a psycho represent hitchcock at his peak with this uh, tactic of voyeurism well i think you know voyeurism in psycho has a number of different layers you know on the on the one hand you know i think uh you know, Hitchcock himself is the voyeur, certainly mm-hmm. to a certain extent. But he also uh, implicates you, the viewer, and forces you to watch. Um, and that happens really from the very first shot where you've got this sort of bird's eye view or, or probably more accurately flies eye, eye view of uh, a phoenix, you know, uh, en- you know, entering the private space of... Um, of these two characters, uh, you know, again, who just had, you know, it's certainly <laughs> assumed uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. sex. And uh, and so from the get-go, you're essentially the fly on the wall. You get to uh, enter this private space and, and you're made essentially a voyeur. Um, and, you know, he does the same thing later on when essentially Marion removes herself technically from... Um, you know, as as the protagonist, and you're now with Norman Bates, you're experiencing 
with Norman Bates. You're removing the painting of Susanna and the Elders with him. You are peeping through the peephole with him, and and you're watching. And um, so, so you really have no choice in a way, you know. And then what Hitchcock does is he punishes you for it. You know, the, the thing that's amazing about the shower scene is the, the sort of the multiple point of view of it. You are at once the killer and you are also experiencing it from, you know, the perspective of, of Marion Crane. So you're also being killed. You're being punished, mm. you know, for for this act of voyeurism that you've been forced into from the get-go. So it's a... It's a pretty vicious film on yeah. on that on it's that like front. You constant know. punishment, almost. It is. <laughs> it is. You know, and it's it's Hitchcock just really toying with his audience. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what he loved to do. This is a question I've asked a few people, but I don't think I've ever really gotten a uh, satisfactory answer. Not to put you on the no, spot. No pressure, anything. man. No <laughs> pressure. Uh, <laughs> but like I, you know, because it's something that I am very interested in, and it's sort of what is the value of. Uh, putting your audience in that state of discomfort as a filmmaker, what does it do? To answer this question, you have to really understand, I think, in this particular case, what Hitchcock was going for. Uh Um, I think, for me, his art was to provide emotion. Um, Mm -hmm. I think his entire career, this is a guy who was interested in in giving the kind of emotions to an audience that you would not be able to experience in a day-to-day life. Mm. And I think that's how he viewed cinema. You know, I mean, it's it's a form of escapism in a way, just the way that we're paying 10 bucks to go to, um, you know, uh, Six Flags and, you know, and have these kinds of emotions, you know, when you're on the roller coaster. Um, I think Hitchcock viewed movies as as that in some way. Um, And I think that's why he dabbled a lot. in. I mean, I think, you know, what you would call melodrama, you know, heightened emotions and heightened tension and heightened cinematic tricks. Right. So um, that, I think, is the value of what Hitchcock brings to the table. And I think that's why he was too often dismissed as an entertainer. And for some reason, there's this sort of weird idea that because you can entertain, you're not an artist. Mm. Um, in fact, I would make the exact opposite argument. If you can entertain and connect with an audience on this very simple, basic, visceral level and give them a good time. Mm-hmm. But then if that audience can come back over, you know, come back over and over and over again and, and keep watching those pieces and get something new each time, yeah, exactly. that is that is great art, mm-hmm. you know? And I think it took a long time for people to really realize that Hitchcock was an accessible filmmaker who, again, was able to provide, you know, to, ma- to make his audience emote mm-hmm. in a very powerful way. But at the same time, the more you watch and deconstruct his movies, the more you're going to realize that they're extraordinarily layered and detailed. Mm -hmm. And that's a very hard thing to do. I mean, I don't think there's been anyone since Hitchcock who's really been able to do it. I agree. I agree. So what does Psycho mean to you in that sense? Like what when you watch it, what sort of uh, emotional response do you have to it? Well, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I, I can't say that it was easy to spend you know, three years in that shower, as yeah. it were, because uh, it's uh, it's a really intense, you know, sort of piece uh, to watch over and over and over again. The thing that's amazing to me is is that, um, you know, I, I and I keep watching Psycho now. I'm actually not, by the way, I'm not done with the shower scene. I'm working on a book. I'm working on, I will probably make another film down the road about the shower scene, believe it or not. Amazing. So um, it's something that I could study for the rest of my life, even though it's not, I just, I don't just want to do that, you know. But um, 
I, there's so much more to say. There's, you know, it's it's a scene that once you crack it open, there's really no bottom, you know. And and that's the thing that fascinates me and that makes me go back to it. And and what it means to me is that it's a constant source of inspiration and learning. Um, because again, by looking at that very narrow sort of you know two minutes, it makes me think not just about Hitchcock, not just about cinema, but about the creative process in in new ways. And um, and look, uh, it, it is so it, it runs so deep. The the layers of meaning of of imagery, the motifs in that scene, the way that it it. It has a dialogue with other movies in in, in Hitchcock's you know filmography, um, uh, makes it um, this uh, you know this thing that that uh, is is absolutely fascinating. It's it's you know there's not a single time really that I don't watch Psycho and and don't learn something new. You know what I mean? So uh, and and it's it's amazing to me sometimes the things that you notice that you never paid attention to before. And you know, and here you are watching Psycho for you know the the three hundredth time, and then you go, oh my God, he's doing this, and I never caught that before. You know, it's it's marvelous. When you were going through these interviews, uh, were there things that you know stuck, like sh- struck you about other people's experiences watching Psycho, like these uh, famous director or like horror directors like Eli Roth, mm-hmm. uh, who else was who else was included? Well, in we got it? Elijah Wood, Elijah Peter Bogdanovich, Wood, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, you know, Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, Guillermo. Right. Oh, yeah. Walter Murch. <laughs> yeah. And God, you know, we got we got a good a good cast. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so you're talking about their first experience. Yeah, were they like, were like, were they, did they vary in experience a lot, did you find, or were people sort of affected in the same way? I think, uh, I think they were, you know, everybody seems to really have had this very strong kind of reaction Mm -hmm. to the film, you know, watching it for the first time. At least those who sort of watched it when they were young, you know, um, I, um, you know, I, personally, I don't really have a first memory of watching Psycho when, when because... Was, yeah, when was the first time? Do you remember? I was very young. I mean, I, I, um, I was, um, uh, you know, my, 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 my dad was uh, watching Hitchcock films. Uh, I mean, you know, I, there, there were really two things that uh, I remember sort of, you know, watching over and over again uh, just because they were around. It was Hitchcock films in Colombo. <laughs> uh, you know, like that was my dad was into those two things, you know. So, so I they were always around since I was a very you know a young kid. So, it, so strangely enough, I don't have that memory of watching, in fact, any Hitchcock film for the first time. It it feels to me like they were always there. You were like born with it and still yeah, in your mind. Yeah, yeah probably. <laughs> you know, something like that. Yeah. So you know, but but I I do remember wanting to watch them. Uh-huh. Over and over again, and and I remember that there was a point where, I think I was about twelve years old actually, and and I had this. Um, it was kind of a like a salon series, if you want to call it that, where uh, every Sunday, I would uh, have my my parents and their friends. <laughs> you were twelve. I was twelve. <laughs> yeah. And we'd watch a, a Hitchcock film on VHS, and I would do a you know a little intro. We'd have a Q and A. It's great. Uh, it's cool. Yeah. You know, but so so and here you know, and I'm still doing this now. So yeah. clearly. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, I haven't changed that much, you know. Did uh, did you find anything like what was your uh, the, the most interesting factoid about Psycho or about the shower scene mm. uh, that you learned in the process of mm. making this film? 
Well, you know, I, I think there were there were certain things that I wanted to investigate that uh, I, I felt had really not been, uh, you know, investigated at all. Um, the one of the stories that I had a whole lot of fun uh, working on was uh, the 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 sound of the knife striking yeah. the yeah, flesh. Yeah. Uh, you know, the story goes that that uh, Hitchcock obviously had a number of melons brought on set and and he had his eyes closed while they were stabbing all these different melons. <clears throat> and um, and he just said one word. He said cassava, <laughs> you know, and so he basically picked the cassava melon, which is a Mexican uh, melon to to, uh, you know, to to create that sound. And so. Um, so I really went on this fun, crazy journey to figure out, or at least speculate, you know, why why the cassava versus any other melon? You know, is this just Hitchcock being Hitchcock, or is it, or is does the cassava really sound, you know, distinctly different from the other melons? So we rounded up twenty seven varieties of melons in season, which uh, I, I'll tell you right now is a very difficult thing to do. I mean, that's a lot of melons. It's a lot of melons <laughs> and uh, from a lot of specialty markets, from a lot of different corners of the world. And and uh, and a lot of, you know, most of those kind of specialty melons, you can't just order one, you have to order a case, you know. Mm-hmm. So we had, um, I, I think, roughly 220 melons uh, on, on the set that, you know, that day. And we stabbed them all and uh, and recorded each one very specifically. And then we I sent those sound files to uh, Gary Wrightstrom, who, you know, seven-time Academy Award winner, uh, wow. you know, a sound, you know, giant. Right. Uh, and Shannon Mills, um, uh, also an amazing sound designer and uh, re-recording mixer who uh, work at, uh, uh, you know, Skywalker uh, in uh, – Marin County. Uh, Northern County, yep. yep. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I sent him the files and I said, you know, let's I, – I, so we obviously agreed to an interview and and uh, I, I really wanted to get from their pers- perspective, you know, why the cassava? Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not going to give it away yeah, here, it away. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's it's a really cool theory and I actually – it's funny because I, I – the, the thing that struck me, and I'm not a sound guy, but, you know, before I even gave them the files – when when I was listening, it's like there's no question that the cassava sounds different. It sounds like a crazy thing to say, but it really has a very different sound. Did all the other melons sound the same as ter- in terms of? No, no. I mean, there you know, there's there there's very slight differences. You know, some that I probably then you know, there's a point where if you're not a sound expert, you're gonna not get those those details. Right. But um, but the cassava versus. Every other melon, definitely. I mean, it's definitely a, a visceral reaction that you can have to the, yeah. the sound of this. Oh yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it's just another yeah. one of the many examples of the way that Hitchcock is able to get those visceral mm-hmm. sort of feelings out of you. And yeah, and it shows you what kind of filmmaker he is. That he is the guy is so detail oriented. Mm-hmm. You know, um, everything matters uh, in in his film. So. Uh, you know that's it's it's pretty special you know to see to see you know artists you know it, to me it's like um you know no wonder we're still talking about Hitchcock no wonder he's the most celebrated and discussed filmmaker of all time because this is a guy who was really thinking about everything yeah you know i mean there's foreshadowing all over the place in oh this my movie, God. which is another oh my God. thing that i learned from your doc it's yeah, just yeah, like yeah. Man, he's he's yeah. foreshadowing for Psycho in like North by Northwest. You know, mm-hmm. he's he's thought of of these 
things his entire career and he builds upon them in his oh, canon. That's right. It's well, that's what I'm saying is there, there's a real, there's a real dialogue. There's a real sort of, you know, this idea that he will set up an idea and then it'll pay off 20 years later. Yeah. You know, I mean, you look at the, his entire body of work and you have all these, you know, bright white tiled Victorian bathrooms that are set up in a way and then he defiles it in, in, in Psycho. But before that, in 1954, he sort of warns you about it because you're, you're, you're in rear window, you're watching. Mm-hmm. You know the uh, the the killer. You know, just you know, wash. You know, washing, Clean the, cleaning the, yeah. the 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 bathroom uh, walls, and and you know, and they're saying, you know, it, it must have splattered a lot. Yeah, yeah. You know, so uh, so it's almost like he prepares you for this idea. We get to see it. And then you know, it, yeah. he teases you, teases you, teases you, and then wham, he just gives it to you, and and in a way, he doesn't apologize for it. It's like, well, I I kind of warned you, didn't I? Yeah. You know. Yeah. So yeah. Vimeo Live is the latest innovation from our favorite video hosting platform. Now, you simply don't have to worry about running a low-quality live stream ever again. With Vimeo Live, you get pristine quality across all devices. You can broadcast your live events in full HD 1080p and enjoy built-in cloud transcoding so your viewers can watch in stunning high quality, perfectly fit for their device and bandwidth. You're also sure to breathe easy thanks to reliable features and more controls. Share securely with privacy options, enjoy live chat support, and get more flexibility with RTMP without hidden overage charges. What's more, you can engage your audience from anywhere. Embed the player wherever you choose, see who's attending your event by enabling email capture in the player, turn on live chat, and view live and archive stats to track performance. Finally, Vimeo Live allows you to have one home for all your video needs. Get the best of Vimeo across your workflow for live and recorded videos. Manage and store in one place, replace archived videos with files in up to 4K, create review pages, and more. In an offer exclusive to the No Film School podcast listeners, Vimeo is offering 10% off live pro or live business accounts. Sign up using the promo code NFSLIVE. This discount offer expires 12-31-2017, is limited to one use per person, may not be combined with other offers, and will be applied to the first year of your subscription, after which time your subscription will automatically renew at the regular retail price each year until you cancel. Another thing that fascinated me was that he he would, he would kind of said that this film was a joke in the beginning. Right. So wait, right. can you explain that to me? Because that, kind of, that was kind of confusing to me. Well, but that's exactly what he wants you to... To feel like okay. you know, I, 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 there's no doubt in my mind that uh, it's, Psycho was anything but a joke okay. for Hitchcock. I, I think that he um, obviously loved to toy with his audience. You know, he loved to just pull their leg. I, I think Psycho really meant a lot for him. I mean, look, um, he was 61 years old. Um, he had nothing to prove, and he could have, you know, gone on making those, you know, huge sort of Technicolor you know, uh, films um, for the rest of his life. And he would still be the celebrated filmmaker, you know, today that, right. that uh, you know, that we know. But um, but he took a massive risk. Um, and I think that uh, he, you know, this is evidence that, that he was interested in pushing the envelope. He was interested in never um, sort of, you know, resting on his laurels, as it were, and just wanted to keep trying something new and uh you know this was a movie that that nobody wanted to finance nobody wanted to get behind and people were were basically telling him 
It's just beneath you, mm-hmm. you know, to do this. Um, but he saw that opportunity. He saw that extraordinary opportunity by, you know, uh, uh, reading the book by by Robert Block. Um, saw that the shower scene. I think, well, you know, that's that's the reason why he made the film. I mean, yeah. reportedly, and and there I actually believe him when he said, you know, the that um, it was the murder in the bathtub, and that's it. That's the, the only reason why he wanted to make this. I believe that. Well, he shot it separately from the yeah. rest of the film, right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. And it it, it took him seven days, uh, which, you know. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah so nobody does it's that, crazy. right? Yeah, yeah, it's completely nuts, yeah. you know. And and uh, but, it, but it shows you that it meant something to him. Yeah. Uh, I, there's no question that it was no joke, yeah. you know, for, for Hitchcock to, you know, to, to make this film. And that I think that he basically sort of went all in um, because I do believe that he saw an opportunity to, um, you know, to create his grandest cinematic trick to shock audiences completely out of their minds. And and he took a massive gamble yeah. by doing that. Yeah. You know, it could have failed. It could have really flopped. But boy, did it work. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Yeah, it's insane. Uh, yeah. So I we haven't really uh, explained the film's title at all. So right. before we wrap up here, uh, right. seventy eight fifty two. Why is it called that? So so the scene has seventy eight uh, setups, camera setups, and ultimately fifty two cuts. So there were a number of setups, obviously, that were not used, um, and unfortunately, because all of the um, you know all of that footage has been burned and you know destroyed we'll never know yeah uh it's it's a real tragedy you know? how did that happen it was just was it hitchcock who did that himself, no it was, it was it was um some kind of you know pa some kind of assistant who Yikes. um yeah it's just one of those sort of heartbreaking stories um you know, on on the other hand, I think it it adds a certain amount of mystery. Yeah. Again, you know, around around the shower scene, but there are no outtakes left. Uh, the only thing that's left is actually five frames from the the shot that he didn't use of this kind of tragic, you know, overhead shot of of you know the Marley buck naked sort of wrapped around the tub. Yeah. You, know, you can see her, you know, a much, her butt and like yeah. a very sexual position too. Yeah, very tragic and yeah. sexual and and uh maybe you know, a so. little too much for Oh, for the, the time, time yeah. yeah. I, I think that's I'm, I think it's pretty clear when you look at those frames, uh, you know, why uh he wasn't able to, you know, to use that shot. I, I don't think I, I think that one would not have gone past censorship. No. No. You know? And we see those frames in your film though. No, actually, I, I unfortunately I found them. I discovered. Well, you you, you see, see you see the footage from the Gus Van Sant, who yes. actually uh, uh, he used that yes. shot yes. in 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 his version of the film. But the actual frames, no, I I actually discovered them uh, uh, too late. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know that's that's what it is. Like I said, it's 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 endless. The but sequel, there, you know. There you go. Seventeen fifty three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, great. Um, just a last question. I like to ask this to all of our visiting directors. Yeah. Um, if you had one nugget of advice for aspiring documentarians, in your case, uh, who are trying to get their documentary off the ground, trying to find a story uh, that resonates with them as 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 much as Psycho and this shower scene resonates with you, right. uh, what would you say to them? Well, I mean, I think I think that you know the first step obviously is to do something that that really resonates with you and that you're really going to be, you know, I, I think there needs to be a certain kind of necessity. Um, 
to make a movie because, you know, making movies are, it's really hard. Um, uh, and I think you need to wake up every day, you know, feeling energized and feeling like, you know, this is something that, um, uh, no matter what kind of obstacles you're going to encounter along the way that you're going to see, uh, you know, get the job done. Uh, so, um, but you know, I, I think uh, I, I think another advice is making sure that um, uh, you, you know don't wait for somebody to just give you a million dollars to do it. Right. Um, you know, it, it, it might take a while. You might have to do a sizzle reel. You might have to do whatever it takes. So um, I I always make sure that um, you know I, I convey the impression that the train is leaving the station, so so, so to speak, and 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 you know gaining speed and um, and it's like well. Okay, you want to be a part of this film, then you might have, you know you should probably jump on board now because right. you know we're we're going yeah and uh, so um, so you have to sort of exude that sense of confidence. I think that um, uh, you're not going to wait around for people to uh, yeah to make up their minds. Yeah, that's great advice. You know? um, so. That necessity that you're talking about that uh, it, that's not necessarily a necessity for like a world issue. It's just a mm-hmm. necessity for for you, right? A personal. Oh, completely. Decision. Yeah, yeah. No, no. It's, uh, uh, and if it's both, you know, great. But, yeah. you know, I, I uh, for me, it is, it is a necessity for me. It is because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm extremely, you know, passionate about, you know, pop culture and, and cinema and, and making people sort of look at those important moments in film, you know, through a, a different lens. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I'm, I'm fully committed to that idea. I, you know, I think that, uh, <laughs> You know, again, I, I I've been dismissed, you know, as a, uh, a you know pop culture documentarian. You know, not not just because uh, you know of what I do necessarily, but it's I think pop culture gets dismissed in you know generally. Yeah. I think pop culture is extraordinarily important. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it says something about who we are, and I think we need to to look at it and and study it. Um, and so uh, that's my mission, and I think that you know I'm I'm really glad to see that pop culture. You know, over the whatever past you know twelve, thirteen years since I've been making these these films, uh, is getting more of uh, more respect. You know, more people are starting to pay you know more attention. I, I still think there's a lot of work to be done, obviously, but I think we're I think we're getting there. I think people are starting to realize that there's great, um, uh, you know, that it's that it's really worthy of our attention. Yeah, I mean, it's a great educational tool for yeah. artists. You know, just seeing absolutely yeah what transpired in the past to make these works of pop culture yep. so successful yeah. um great well so the movie comes out friday october 13th i believe yeah and it's going to roll into different you know theaters around the country um at slightly different dates but it's also going to be on itunes i believe great. and uh you know eventually we'll have uh you know a, a dvd blu-ray uh that's in march uh, then it'll be on Hulu. I just heard, uh, you know, after that, probably more like May yeah. 2018. So there, there's a lot of different opportunities, uh, you know, to watch the film. But I would encourage people who are uh, film buffs to come and see this on the big screen because it is it is really a film made for the big screen. I mean, we went to great lengths to make it as cinematic as possible. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to be a much more satisfying experience. Great. You know, yeah. So. And see Psycho before it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's actually, you know, it's interesting because there's a lot of people who have, uh, you know, who come to the screenings and who've never watched Psycho. Yeah. And that really kind of blows my mind. And it's and it's kind of cool because it shows that there there's interest there. There's curiosity about the shower scene. 
but then of course, you know, after watching 7852, I think the first thing they're going to do is go watch Psycho again, you know. So, uh, so yeah, there's no right or wrong way to do it. You're really doing Alfred Hitchcock a, a service here by getting more people to want to watch Psycho. <laughs> well, I, you know, that, that <laughs> I, I hope so, you know, but, uh, but I would say in uh, being true to, to, to Hitch here, you know, just um, whoever comes to see 7852 in the- theaters should come and make sure that they're here on time to watch it yes. from, the, from the beginning. Absolutely. It's the only way. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, thank you. check out the movie for sure. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, please subscribe on iTunes or whatever podcast platform you use. If you really like us, go hit us up with a five-star rating on iTunes. And just a reminder, we will not be doing any film weekly this week as I am absent from Brooklyn. But you can stay tuned for another interview podcast next Monday. I'm John Fusco. You can follow me on Twitter at Jim underscore John underscore Jim. Have a great Halloween. And watch Psycho and this movie.